Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. This is Joanne Wilson, co-pastor at Cool Church. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we want you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message. Here we go. Ghost part three. If you got your Bibles, I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. We've been reading these verses for the last couple of weeks, and we're going to close out this part of the thought today. And then also put your finger on Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 23. How many of y'all like to read the Bible? Say amen. Awesome, because I'm going to read a lot of it. All right. So uh, Galatians 5, 16 through 23. Put your finger on that while we read 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 10. Here we go. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. So that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Verse five. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God who has given us the spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. What the apostle Paul is trying to let us understand that humans, we are triune in nature, just like God is God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. We are triune in nature. We are body, we are soul, and we are spirit. The apostle calls your body a tent. Why? It's a temporary dwelling place, man. From the moment this flesh is born, it begins to die. It's going to be here one day, but eventually it will not be here anymore. But your soul, Pixar made a nice movie about it. Your soul is where your personality is on display. It is the place where your free will resides, where your thoughts and your emotions, they come from your soul. And your soul wants to comfort your flesh, but you're not just two parts, you're three. There's a spirit. And the Bible says that God has given us his spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. I like to say it like this. There's a little piece of heaven inside of all of us that wants to get back there. You got heaven on. The reason you got the breath of life is because you got heaven inside of you. But the issue is your flesh and the spirit, they are at war with one another because your soul slash your flesh, it wants what it wants. It wants to please your body, but the spirit longs to please God. So look at what it says in 2 Corinthians 5, now verse 6, it says, Therefore, we are always confident. Why? Because of the spirit. And know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. I love that. We are confident, I say, and will prefer to be away from the body to be at home with the Lord and make it our goal to please him whether we are at home in the body or away from it because we have the spirit of the living God inside of us your spirit says I don't care where I am my goal and my desire is to please God verse 10 this is what we're gonna lean into today for we must all somebody say all for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for the things done while in the body whether good or bad Shh. 
That's a heavy verse. I did not know if I, when I came to church today I was going to be talking about judgment. Yes, we are talking about judgment today. You can't just preach some of the Bible. You got to preach all of it. Amen. Galatians 5, 16 through 23 says, so I say, walk by the spirit and you will gratify and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are at conflict with one another so that you are not to do whatever you want. I just told you that your, your, your spirit and your flesh are at odds with one another. Verse 18, I love this though. It says, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. That's a good place to say amen. I'll read again because it's that good. And then you should just say amen because it's the right thing to say. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Man, I can tell y'all love y'all Bible. Verse 19, the acts of the flesh are obvious. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Mm -mm -mm. But here's the hope. Verse 22. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. That's a good place to say amen. Against such things, there is no law. If you're taking notes on this third part of Ghost, I've entitled it this, Above the Law. Above the Law. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. For this is the day that you have made, God. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. God, I thank you that before the earth began to spin on its axis, you knew each and every person that would be in this room today. You knew each and every person that would watch online today that would hear this message that talks about your Holy Spirit. And God, I pray that by the time it's all said and done, that hearts, minds, and ears will be open to receive a word that's always going to be about Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. God, I pray that people would understand that, God, you are a father. God, you are a son. But God, you are the Holy Spirit. And we need you to live a life that is pleasing to you. God, I pray that people will feel empowered by the Holy Spirit before this is all said and done. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, everybody said, give Jesus a shout of praise. Come on. Okay, it's good. Above the law, while you're, while you're in your Bible, let me see, who, who actually brought their Bible? Let me see, wave it at me. Let me see who got a good old leather mouth. Some of y'all holding them phones. How you going to cast out a demon with an iPhone? What happened what happened when your power dies? In the name of Jesus, hold on, let me get a charger. That don't work. Chill, Bob, just kidding. Yes, you can use your phone because the app's on it. I'm not mad at that. Take notes on that. But get you a good old Bible. Make it ugly, man. You know the uglier your Bible is, the more you love Jesus because you're actually reading it, okay? Get your Bible, highlight in it, write in it. Um, put your finger on Acts chapter 4. We're going to come back to that uh, towards the end of the message, um, and I'll, I'll, you'll see why later. But... You need the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, that's the ghost that we've been talking about. You need the Holy Ghost to live a life that pleases God. I'll take it a step further. Not only do you need 
the Holy Ghost to live a life that pleases God, based upon the scripture that I just read to you, the Bible clearly tells us that you will be judged based upon the things that you have done in the body, whether good or bad. We must understand as humans that we are all sinful in nature. We were born in sin. Because of this, we do not truly have a real understanding of what good is without God. Everything that is good comes from God. The Bible says that God is good and his love and his mercy endures forever. Everything that is good comes from God. Therefore, everything good in us comes from God. That's why I thank God that I am not just a soul that is subject to my emotions, subject to my personality, and subject to my free will. I am glad that I am body, soul, and spirit because the good in me comes from the spirit of God that lives in me. We are not good, and the faster you realize that we are not good and that God is good, the better off you will be. You see, when I say that, people get offended because they want to believe that I am good. I'm good, you ain't see what I did yesterday when I stopped at the side of the road and I made sure I gave that one dollar in my little change thing in my car to the homeless person that I'm good. I'm good because I'm nice. I'm good because I gave to Peter last month. I'm good because I gave to the United Way. I'm good because I did this. I'm good. None of that makes you good. Makes you nice. Doesn't make you good. God is good. And without God, we do not truly understand the concept of goodness because without God, your soul, its natural inclination is not to please God. It's to please itself. So we got to understand that what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, it says, I'm going to read it again, 2 Corinthians 5.10, it says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due to us for the things while done in the body, whether good or bad. Because we have free will, we can choose to align our life with the spirit of God that brings out the good in us, or we can choose to align with our flesh that brings out the bad in us. So you're probably asking, what can I practically do then to live a life that is good? Because I don't want to live and be judged based on the bad. I want to be judged based on the good. To live a good life, a life that is empowered, you need, listen to me, you need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit to live a life that is good because goodness comes from God. This is why the Bible says in Galatians 5.16, so I say live by the Spirit so that you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Galatians 5 tells us that the spirit and the flesh are at odds with one another. They're always butting heads because the flesh wants what it wants, but the spirit wants to bring the good out of you. It takes it even further in verse 18. It says, if you are led by the spirit, then you are not under the law. Your flesh, for as long as you live, will be subject to the law. You say, how do you know that? Because I know what the Bible says. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. 
So because the wages of sin is death, what is, that ha- what is that telling us? The reason that our human bodies will die one day, it will happen to all of us, no matter how much you exercise, no matter how good you look, no matter how much money you got in the bank account, no matter how many uh, uh, people you feel like you've influenced on social media, we will all meet our demise physically one day. Why? Because our body has to pay the price for sin. The body will eventually at one point or another, be judged based upon the fact that the wages of sin is death. So, if you want to live at the level of the law, then you will be judged by it. You can live at the level of the laws. I follow all the laws. Okay, good. But if you live at the level of the law, and you don't live at the level of the spirit, then you will always be judged according to the law. This is why the spirit says we must live, when you live by the spirit, you do not live under the law. So if you don't live under the law, you live above it. You see, I don't wanna live under the law because if I live under the law, then I have to associate myself with all the things that the law was designed to govern. You say, what are those things? Well, Galatians 5, 19 through 21 tells us It says, here's here's the thing, you want to live by the law? Here's what you got to associate yourself with. And I don't want to be associated with sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, uh, dissension, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I don't even want my name mentioned in the same sentence with any of those things. I don't want you to hear Terrence was in any of those things in those verses. Why? Because I don't want to live a life according to the law because the law bears fruit for the wages, like I said, of sin is death. The only thing that the law can bear, the only thing that sin can bear is death. So I can't live at the level of the law because one, the only fruit that the sin that the law is trying to prevent will get me is death. Here's the other thing that living at the level of the law does that we don't like to talk about a lot, but we do it a lot in church. When you live at the level of the law, you become judgmental. I thought you were going to be nice today, Pastor T. Just reading the Bible. When you live at the level of the law, you become judgmental. Why? Because you begin to judge people based upon the sins you don't think you're committing. It's what you do. You know, oh, you know, I might have told a little white lie here and there, but you know, at least I ain't sleeping around. So you judge everybody that you see doing that. Oh, uh, you know, I, you know, I might, um, you know, every now and then, you know, every now and then, you know, I, you know, I'd be like, I'd be going like. You know, a little bit past speed limit, just a little bit because I got places to be. You know, I'm breaking the law. Just a little bit, though, not like a big law. Like I ain't, I ain't steal nothing from nobody. You judge people, but you don't judge yourself based upon what you do. You judge everybody else based upon what you don't do. This is what happens in church all the time. You know how many people have run through the doors 
of the church in the opposite direction from the altar because as soon as they walk in those doors, there's people there that judge them, not even knowing them, but just based upon what they look, they've already decided in their mind what they've done. Uh, look at him. He got the winks in his head, he got gold teeth, he got pants on the ground, pants on the ground. Look at him, he must sell drugs or something. I said, you don't even know that man. He could be a stockbroker for all we know. Look at her. She got a little tight dress. She must be, she might be on the pole somewhere. This, this. You don't know her. You don't know what she is going through. You don't know what she is doing. And you don't know what God has saved her from. So how could you judge her just because you looked at her? But this is what people do. Because they judge people based upon things that they don't think they're doing themselves. If you live at the level of the law, it will make you judgmental. How do I know this? Because Jesus gives us a good example of what those people look like. They were called Pharisees. Pharisees were doing all kinds of nonsense. They were stealing from people. They, were, they, were, they, they, they lived in a piety where they, where, they, where they literally would look down upon people because of who they were, because they thought that once they walked in religious piety, then it gave them the right to judge other human beings when God is the only judge. This is what people do. And if you live by the law, then you become judgmental like the law, but we are not called to live at the level of the law. We are called to live above the law because that's where real freedom is. Two things I want you to get and we're done. I promise you it's going to be quick. The first one, you're probably asking yourself this question. All right, Pastor T, you so, okay, I don't want to live at the level of the law because I don't want, I don't want to be judged. And I don't want to be, I don't want to be judgmental. So how, how do I live above the law? Well, a life of a Christian, you have to understand, in order to live above the law, a life of a Christian is not about rules and regulations, it's about freedom. It's all about freedom. Look at what Galatians 5.1 says. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. It does not say it is for judgment that Christ has set us free. Christ set you free. Stop judging people. It said it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. So the reality is you're only subject to the law if you break the law. And here's what happens. Here's why people are so subject to the law. Because too many times in church, all they've heard is what they cannot do instead of what they can do. So I'm not going to take time today to tell you all the stuff you know you shouldn't do. You already know. I'm going to take some time to tell you the things that you can do because when you know what you can do, it gives you options to live the best life. Like with my child, as I raised my child, I never wanted to be the parent, and my wife knows this because she's the same way. We never wanted to be the parents that said, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. Because when you tell them don't do this, guess what? They go do it anyway. I'm not saying I don't provide boundaries for my child. Trust me, she got some boundaries. I got island parents, so I had a bunch of boundaries. I get it. But if all I tell her is no, then she's going to be looking for yeses in the no. I need her to find a yes in the yes. So I present her options for what a yes in her life could be because I'd rather give her something to shoot for instead of something to stay away from. 
so often in church, we tell people what not to do, but we don't tell them what to do. We tell them to run away from sin, but we don't tell them what to run to. I run away from sin, but I run to Jesus. This is what living above the law does. It does not tell you what to run away from. It tells you what to run to. And you should be so preoccupied with running to Jesus that you don't have time to do the stuff that you would be judged by anyway. This is what living above the law is all about. You see, I want to live above the law because then the law cannot judge me. You see, I need the fruits of the spirit because it's the only things that I can run towards in my life that I will not be judged by. Why? Because of what Galatians 5, 23 through 22 says, it says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Here's the best part of the verse. Against such things, there is no law. So earlier in the verses, God said, hey, don't be caught up in drunkenness and idolatry and orgies and all kinds. He's like, stay away from that. But while you're staying away from that, let me tell you what I want you to run towards. Because against these things, there is no law. There is no law against love. Man, God's love, you can't, listen, there's no jurisdiction on God's love. And I love love. I love the fact that out of all of the fruits of the spirit, love had to be first. You know why? Because love's an initiator. Love starts everything. You can't do anything. Man, the things that people are the most passionate about is because they love them. Love makes you do things that are crazy. I love love because I've been in love for a long time. And love has made me do things that make no sense. How many of y'all ever did something crazy because of love? The things we, and if your hands down, you just don't want to admit it. The things we do for love? Oh my God. The man, you stay up on the phone for hours when you're in love. Before the man, you hang up. No, you hang up. <laughs> you hang up. Okay, I'm going to hang up. Did you hang up? No, I'm still here. You love. Love makes you do silly stuff, man. Love makes you do stuff that don't. Let me tell you, I knew I, knew I, was, I, knew I was in love when we went to the restaurant and my wife picked up something on my plate and I did not stab her. I knew. <laughs> I'm like, I will just get you your own. No, I want yours. I'm like, girl, you lucky I love you. Anybody else would have pulled back a nub. The things that we do for love. I knew I was in love. I knew I was in love with her 15 years ago when, man, I asked that girl to marry me. You know what I did? I, I jumped in my, in my truck right here in South Florida and I drove 23 hours through multiple states, almost 2,000 miles all the way up to Stanford, Connecticut. And I got that girl and I said, girl, we moving to Miami and I don't care what you say. Well, no, I ain't say it like that. She already agreed, but I'm just saying I drove for hours by myself. My car was so janky, it ain't even had the radio working, so I was driving in silence, singing my own love songs. I was like, girl, I love you. I drive forever for you. I ain't had no melody. I ain't even care, but I was in love, so I was willing to do what was crazy, and I packed up all that stuff. I put it in the back of my truck. I said, girl, come on. She jumped in the passenger seat. We drove another 23 hours. She slept the whole time. Ain't drive one bit. We drove another 23 hours back down to South Florida, and she is here, and 14 years later, we have been married happily ever after and the church said, amen. <laughs> Only crazy people do stuff like that. 
crazy. But you know what's even crazier? You know what's crazier? Giving up everything. Go into a place where you know people gonna hate you. Know you go into a place people gonna spit on you. Know you go into a place people gonna laugh at you. Know you go into a place that's gonna beat you, but you love them so much you go anyway and you are willing to die on a cross for a humanity that hates you because you love them so much. It does not make sense in our natural mind, but Jesus loves us so much. He leaves all the power of heaven to come down to earth to love on a creation that did not love him back. That's crazy. That's love. Love will always go first. Jesus does not ask you to love him first. He already loved you for God so loved the world. Love always goes first. And I love love because it's the initiator. And love may be the drive to do things, but joy gives you the strength to do them. You need joy. Like when I'm not happy, it's hard for me to do anything. Like I'm a creative, so when I'm sad, I'm like all up in my feelings. I'm like, I don't want to do anything. I'm sad. Uh. When I'm happy, I'm a problem. Like I love joy because the Nehemiah qualifies my statement in Nehemiah 18. He says, it's the joy of the Lord that gives you strength. You see, love might make you do something, but if you're not doing it with joy, you can keep it. Like, so many times, I do stuff with my wife, and my attitude is bad, she's like, you can keep that. Here's your flowers. Like, she don't want that. <laughs> Nobody wants that. If you're doing stuff out of love, you gotta do it with the right attitude. Because joy, man, joy is powerful. Joy, joy makes you like a prize fighter. You say, what, what do you mean? I was watching a documentary called Tyson. It was about Mike Tyson. And Mike Tyson, at one point, he was one of the baddest men on the planet. I think he's still one of the baddest men on the planet. I would not fight him right now. I don't care how old he is. I ain't messing with Mike Tyson, okay? I'm scared of Iron Mike. So let me, let me tell you something. Mike, he said this. It blew my mind. He said the most dangerous fighter in the world is not an angry fighter. He said he's a happy fighter. And it's like, no, Mike, you crazy, man. When you walked into the ring, people just looked at you and they were scared. They lost a fight before they even fought it because, man, your, your mean mug was so crazy, man. Like, your stare was so wild. It's like people ain't even want to fight you. It's like, yeah, I know. He said, but what they didn't know is I was happy on the inside. He said, I'll prove it to you. When I went through my string of fights and I was undefeated, I was happy. I was blessed. I loved the people that was around me and it blessed, it blessed my spirit. And I was able to go into the ring happy because I didn't have any troubles or worries in the back of my mind. The moment his trainer died was when Mike Tyson lost his first fight because he had the emotion of losing somebody that he loved behind his eyes, in his mind, it was conquering his emotions. So when he went into the fight, he was thinking about all that he had lost. He was not operating from a place of joy, so he had no strength. And I wish there was some believers, man, that would just get some joy up in your spirit. I'm so sick of sour face believers walking around all over the place talking about you love Jesus and you walking around looking angry and nobody can approach you and nobody can talk to you because all you say is woe with me, but you don't get up in spite of your pain. You don't get up in spite of your hurt and do what you got to do. That's why I was so thankful for what my wife said today because I know the pain and I know the hurt that we go through, but we still do what we got to do because there's a joy on the inside of us that says, I'm not going to let my attitude and I'm not going to let my emotions and I'm not going to let my problems and I'm not going to let my issues stop me from doing what God has called me to do because Jesus has done so much for me that I am thankful for. I will operate out of a place of joy, which gives me strength. 
We gotta be people that are so weak-minded all the time and we let life kick us around, man. We need some joy because your joy is a weapon that makes you strong. But see, you know the people that have a lot of joy, they got peace about every situation. They got peace when it don't make sense. Why are you always smiling? Didn't, didn't, like, like, didn't your car just break down? That's all right, God's still with me. Still find a way here. Like those people got peace about everything. Because they, they, they don't worry because they know it's, no matter what, it's gonna turn out right. I, I, love, I love Jesus because he exemplifies this. Do you realize we serve the God that has peace in the midst of storms? This is God, when, when everything is going crazy around Jesus, you know what he's doing? He's sleeping. Some of y'all are so terrified about y'all life. Ah, Jesus, I'm in a storm! It's a hurricane! Tornado Jesus, earthquake! Ah, Jesus! Jesus like this. Hmm. You straight? You good? Like, I'd be mad if I was Jesus. I'm like, first of all, y'all scared, but I'm on the boat. Like, I'm Jesus. So, bare minimum, I know God loves me more than he loves all y'all. So we're gonna be all right. We gonna, I, love, I, I love that attitude. Like Jesus, Jesus was not scared because he already knew that he had the power to calm the storm that they were facing. But what if the disciples just got a hold of the thought like, man, we shouldn't be scared because not only does Jesus know the end of the storm, Jesus is on the boat. Like I, I used to, man, like my, my mom, you know, she loves Jesus, man. So, so as a kid, she introduced me to Jesus. She would always say, she still says it today, Terry, Jesus coming back soon. You better be ready. If you, you're ready, if he come today, you're good, you're good. I said, yeah, mom, I'm good, I'm good. Like, it used to terrify me as a kid. I'm like, oh my God, Jesus coming back. And you know, as a kid, as a kid, you're dumb. You start praying all kinds of stuff. Like, Jesus, I hope I could get married before you come back. I don't even need to tell y'all why. You can figure it out. You're smart. Um, so I used to pray all kinds of like, like, Jesus, please. Cause I, I used to, so, so my mom was like my, my <laughs> she was like the barometer. Like she was like the test. Like if mom, if mom was around, Jesus ain't come back yet. So if she would like leave too long, I'd be like, ah, the rapture happened, mama. And then my brother would be like, man, what you worried about? I'm still here. I'm like, I'm dead already. He's still here. <laughs> my brother loves Jesus. Back then I didn't believe it, but I'm just saying. Mama would come home and I'm like, oh, thank God. I didn't miss it. Why? Because I knew if she was there, it was okay. I wish there would be some believers that will put some faith knowing that if you got Jesus in your situation, you don't have to panic. You don't got to run. You don't have to live in fear, but you can be confident. If Jesus is resting, I ain't got no problems because he knows how to calm my storm. Some of y'all got to get a, li a little more peace in your life. Like, if you, you know Jesus, you need to have more peace. I always find that peaceful people are very patient too. Peaceful people are patient. Because when you're patient, you're not anxious about anything. That's why I love what Philippians 4, 6 says. It says, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, in prayer and in petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. I've often found, as it pertains to my prayers and the fruits of the Spirit, I need patience more than anything in my prayers because oftentimes I don't even believe that it's what you ask for. I believe that it's the consistency in which you ask. Like a lot of us ask for something, we don't get it, and we stop asking God. I think God wants to see 
if you have some of the other fruits in the spirit when you're praying for something. So often he'll test your patience, but your patience is a test to see if you got love for him. Your patience is a test when you don't get what you want to see if you still got joy. Your patience is a test when you don't get what you want right away to see if you still have peace. You need patience when you pray because God wants to see if you're operating in the fruits of the spirit while you're waiting on him to answer your prayer. I love the fruits of the Spirit because the more you read about them, you realize that they're all connected. You need one in order to have the other. And I, I, I promise you, you just, you need, you need patience because, man, there's things that I have prayed for for a long, long time. And I know you want to give up on those things, but when you got the fruit of the Spirit that is called patience, you will consistently ask no matter what season comes upon you because you believe in faith that eventually God will make it happen in Jesus' name. Amen? I found that patient people, though, they're often the kindest people I know. I love patient people because they're super kind. Um, and there's times like where I'm out and because my mama raised me right, I try to do kind things for people that often require my patience. Um, like one thing is, and I'm sure somebody did this for you when you came in here today, they held the door for you. You ever hold the door for somebody? I ain't gonna lie. I try to be kind, but there's like, I got two things when I'm holding the door for somebody. The first is if I'm like, hello, how are you? And I'm holding, if I'm holding the door for you, you know what I hate when I'm holding the door for people? When they take too long. <laughs> it's like I'm here, sitting here holding the door, they're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Here's the door. They're like, I'm like, I know you see me here holding this door. The other thing I don't like though that that bothers me when I'm holding the door. So I'm trying to be kind. I'm trying my best to be kind. Holding the door. They see me holding the door. I'm like, and they do this. The one I hate though is when they on their, when they acting like they on their phone. And I know they ain't on their phone. They like this. The moment that happens, instead of the spirit of kindness, this is why I know God's still working on me, I exude the spirit of pettiness. I'd be like, you're welcome! <laughs> you laugh, because it's you too. <laughs> the thing about kind people, though, kind people do things knowing that even if I do the thing and it's not reciprocated, I'm still okay. Even if I don't get the response I was looking for, that's what kind, kindness says. Kindness says I can be a doormat and I'm okay with that. Kindness says I'm, if you got to step over me, if you got to step on me to get to Jesus, I'm going to do whatever I got to do because I want to create a pathway, not a roadblock for you to see Jesus. If I'm a believer and I hold the door open for you, it doesn't matter how you respond to me, but I want to make sure that I am patient and kind as I hold that door because if I act the wrong way, then you're going to say, oh, I thought you was a Christian. I don't want them to say that because I want them to see the kindness of the Lord on me. Kindness says I'm going to do it in spite of the response. But it's not just about kindness because I never met a kind person that wasn't good. Now, check this. You see, it's those people, the good folks, once again, goodness comes from the Spirit of God, doesn't come from us. It's those good folks that will go out of their way to do something nice for people. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. They're not ruled by their selfish desires. And we need more people that are governed by the spirit that are going to do the right thing. Because here's the thing about doing good things. 
people that do good things don't always get recognized. Now, here's why they do good, though. Look at what the Bible says. It says in Matthew 6, 3 through 4, it says, but when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that you will be given a secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You don't do good things to be rewarded by people. You do good things to be rewarded by God. Period. If you're doing something good and you're expecting something from somebody, it's not good. If you're doing something good and you know that God has seen, then you're doing it with the right heart. I don't do things to please people. I do things to please God. At the end of the day, pure goodness comes from God because God gets pleasure when his children do things unto him and not unto others. Amen? And you know, I love when people truly operate in goodness, but then there's this thing called faithfulness. It's people that are doing good consistently. They're faithful to it. You see, they're loyal and they do the right thing because they don't do it based upon convenience. They do it based upon conviction. I'm a, you say, I'm going to be good and I'm going to do the right thing no matter what because it's the right thing to do. I am, I am convinced, I am convicted in my soul that is the right thing to do. The most faithful person I know on the planet, I already said something about it, but I'm going to say something again, man. My mother is the most faithful person on the planet. My mother just celebrated her 70th birthday a couple weeks back. Yeah, you can clap for that. She's proud of it, so I'll say it. She celebrated 70 years. There's not a moment in my life where I've never seen my mom not faithful. Like, I, I, haven't, I haven't seen, she's the person that introduced me to Jesus, but I've seen her go through trial and tribulation and she's gone through so much stuff and her answer has always been the same to me even when it didn't make sense. Son, you just gotta trust God. I watched this woman over two decades ago go through cancer. She physically did not look like the same person, lost all her hair, all kinds of stuff. She went through, the, went through chemo, all of it, man. And through it all, in a hospital bed, where she could have been like, Terry, I don't know, I ain't got faith. She says, son, by his stripes, I am healed. Can I tell you that my mom is still alive and well, she was in the first service today. She serves hard at cool church. Nothing can stop her. She's still around so she can see all her children grow up to be successful. She's still here so she can see all her grandbabies grow up because she's always been faithful to Jesus, even in the midst of adversity. Faithfulness doesn't mean anything with when the rubber meets the road, you get scared and tuck tail and run. No, faithfulness means everything when nothing is going the way that you want it to go, but you still trust God anyway. Faithfulness is trust in God no matter what. And the fruit of the Spirit allows you to be faithful, but you know it also allows you to be gentle because let me tell you something about faithful people. They've known God and trusted God for so long, they know how to treat His children. Gentleness. Gentle this. You see, I found so often, and I've already talked about it, that some people could be with God for so long and they get so comfortable that they're not gentle with the people that don't know him the way that they do. That's why the Bible says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The gentle will get more because they know how to treat God's children. If, if you want God to open up and open up access to this earth to you in different ways, you better start learning. It's larger than your bank statement. 
Yeah. You need self-control when you are seeing someone and they are seeing someone else. Somebody got quiet. They was like, how do you know what's going on in my life? <laughs> Holy Spirit. You need self-control when your friend or your family member that you thought would always be there stabs you in the back. You need self-control when you get diagnosed with that sickness that the doctor says, there's no cure for what you have. You need self-control when you're standing in the line and a person's standing two feet behind you instead of six. You need, somebody snorted, wow. You need self-control when that person all up in your face with no mask on. It's like, bruh, I ain't about this life. You need self-control when somebody unworthy of the promotion gets it when you know you've been working your butt off for it. You need self-control when your kids are driving you crazy and you don't want to send them to heaven before the rapture. You need self-control when your husband or your wife is not at home the way that they should be. You need self-control when you know you're living in a country that is corrupt with systemic racism and people try to try you all the time and you know you want to tear off on folk and tell them how you feel, but you don't because you have self-control. You need self-control with the people that are in this world because they operate in flesh, but you are called to live above the law and operate in your spirit. We need self-control because when you show self-control in any situation, you don't get the glory God does. Self-control is all about giving God his glory because you say that there is something bigger than you that controls your decisions. How do we live a life above the law? You cannot live a life above the law without the fruit of the spirit. But what does a life above the law look like practically? I'm just going to read a story in the Bible, Acts chapter 4, and I'm going to show you exactly what a life above the law looks like. This is why we have Bible stories, because they're not just stories, they're his story, they're history. This is a real historical account of men that lived by the power of the Holy Spirit that had the fruit of the Spirit in them, and it showed to the world. I want to show you what a life above the law looks like. I'm going to read it really quick. Here we go. Acts chapter 4 verses 1 through 22. I promise you it won't take long. Let me give you a little preface. Now Peter and John had just gotten the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, hey, go to the city, go pray, and I'm going to send you a helper. I'm going to send you a comforter. I'm going to send you a gift with the power of the Holy Spirit. And they got the power of the Holy Ghost. They began to speak in other tongues. It was crazy. 3,000 people get saved on Peter, Peter's first message. Now, you got to remember, Peter was the one that denied Jesus. He was a coward. 
gets the power of the Holy Ghost. He starts preaching and then he can't stop. Not only does he preach, he starts performing miracles and they see a crippled man, a man that is crippled since birth. And Peter and John look at him and say, silver and gold, I do not have, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And they grab the man by the hand and the man gets up and walks. Power of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of the fruit of the Spirit coming through them. And look at what happens, chapter four of Acts. It says, the priests and the captains of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly uh, disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming, uh, uh, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John because it was evening. They put them in jail until the next day, but many who heard the message believed and the number of men grew to about 5,000 people. We're saved. The next day, the rulers and the elders and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Uh, Annas and the high priest was there. And so were Caiaphas and uh, John, Alexander and the other men of the high priest family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. I love this. He said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called into account today for an act of kindness, I love that, shown to a cripple, Peter said, hey, y'all trying to judge me for kindness? We're, you trying to lock me up for kindness? You can't lock me up for kindness because kindness is a fruit of the spirit. Against such things, there is no law. Look at this. He says, and I asked how he was healed then, Know this, verse 10, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, by whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone the builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given by men, which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. Man, I love that. The fruit of the spirit operating in you will shut people up. My goodness gracious. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men? They ask everybody living in Jerusalem knows that they have done an outstanding miracle and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Verse 18, then they came to them, they, they, they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, I love this, judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God, for we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Let me tell you something, when the fruit of the Spirit is in your life, you're not worried about how a man will judge you. You are not worried if a man can shut you up. You can't help but to speak out with the power of the Holy Ghost because you know what Jesus Christ has done for you. Verse 21, after further threats, this is when you live above the law, look what happens. They let them go. All they could do was threaten them, but they had no law by which they could judge them. They had to let them go. They could not decide. 
Like, let me tell you something. The law doesn't know what to do with the Holy Spirit. Look at what it says. It says, they could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. You see, these men were not judged by their flesh. They were judged by their spirit. And when you are judged by your spirit, it confuses the law in such a way, but it also forces the people around you to praise because they don't see you. They see the God in you. But here's the best part. Verse 22, for the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. I wish that would just get in somebody's spirit. I wish that I, I wish you could just understand how heavy that verse is. The man that was healed, who was miraculously healed, was over 40 years old. You know, this is the first time that we understand how old the man is. The crippled man, when he is first healed, the Bible says that the man was crippled from birth. He gets healed, and for the first time, when these men's lives lived above the law could not be judged, it is after that that we find out that the man that has been crippled from birth has been crippled for over 40 years. Because these men had the power of the Holy Spirit flowing on the inside of them and there was evidence of the fruit of their life in this man who was crippled, who could now walk. These men walked into a situation. They walked into a 40-year-old problem and in a moment they were able to take a 40-year-old problem and turn it into a solution. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but when you have the power of the Holy Spirit flowing on the inside of you, problems that lasted for 40 years, problems that have lasted for four years, problems that have lasted for 40 days, problems that have lasted for four days, in a moment can be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through you and the people will see the evidence of the power flowing through you and they will give God praise because they know how long the problem has persisted. But when you show up a walking, talking, living, breathing miracle with the power of the Holy Ghost on the inside of you people that have problems for years can get their answers today by the power of the Holy Spirit I know I've had some problems for a while but because I know I got the fruit of the Spirit in me every day I believe that the answer will come right now some of y'all been sitting with some stuff for so long and you feel powerless the Bible that I read tells me that if I got the power of the Holy Spirit and I got the fruit of the Spirit, I got evidence to show that things that last long for others, I could show up in their situation and God can make me the answer that they have been waiting for their entire life. You need the power of the Holy Spirit because not only can the law not judge it, but when the power is evident in you, everyone will be able to see the fruit of your life because the Spirit is on you. I don't know who needs to hear this today, but let me tell you what's undeniable. The fruit of the Spirit, its evidence, is undeniable in your life. 
Yeah, we talk about get saved, get saved, get saved. But here's the thing about this little word called sanctification we like to use. Jesus says, come as you are, but he doesn't say stay that way. There needs to be evidence. There needs to be fruit that God has brought a change in you. And I don't know who needs to hear this message today, but I want to be gentle with you because I know that according to 2 Corinthians 5.10, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one of us may receive what is due for the things while done in the body, whether good or bad. I want to be gentle with somebody and I want you to know, maybe you've never heard this before, this might be the first time, you don't have to live a life that is judged by the bad that you've done in the flesh. You can live a life that is judged by the fruit of the spirit that allows you to live above the law. For the Bible says against such things, there is no law. I'm not here today to tell you what you can't do. I'm here to tell you what you can do through the power of the Holy Spirit. You can live a life that is fruitful. You can be a walking, talking, living, breathing miracle, and you don't have to worry about what judgment has for you because Jesus has heaven for you if you learn and understand that you can live a life above the law. With every head bowed, every eye closed. I know there's folks, and if you were like me growing up, man, all I heard was what I couldn't do. And it made me scared of Christianity. And I ran from it for so long. But today, I'm not here to tell you what you can't do. I'm here to tell you what you can. You can live a life of love. You can live a life of joy. You can live a life of peace. You can live a life of patience. You can live a life of kindness. You can live a life of goodness. You can live a life of faithfulness. You can live a life of gentleness. And you can live a life of self-control if you allow the Holy Spirit to live in you. You say, how do I do that? Just accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, in Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart he was raised from the dead, you're saved. That's it. Confess, believe. Confess, believe. The Bible says you are saved by grace through faith. Faith in what? The Holy Spirit is the one on the inside of you that allows you to pick what is good because God is good. Your flesh and your spirit are odds with one another. But when you accept Jesus, I promise you, you'll win the fight. you win the fight. Why? because he's already won. If you want Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand, whether you're in this room or whether you are online. Nobody's looking around, just me and God right now. So on the count of three, I need Jesus because I want to live a life that is empowered by the Spirit. Here we go. One, two, three. Hold it up. Let me see. I see you, you, you. I see you. I see you. Praise God. Put your hands down. Good. Me and God saw it. Awesome. I want everybody in this room to stand up. Everybody, I love it. I'm not going to call you down to the front, man. You know, we still follow a protocol. <laughs> but here's the beautiful thing about God. You don't have to come to him. He loves you so much, he came to you. When you couldn't get to God, God came to you. So he saw your hand. He knows, you. he knows where you are. And more than your hand, guess what he saw? He saw your heart. He saw your heart. A heart that longs for change. A heart that longs for the Holy Spirit to operate in them. So if you're in this room or you're online, I want everybody, we're going to confess and believe. I want you to say this prayer after me. And if you say it and you mean it in your heart, 
you're a brand new creation. Everybody say, Dear Jesus. Dear Jesus. I've sinned. I've sinned. I'm not proud of it. I'm not proud of it. But I admit it. But I admit it. Today. Today. I lay my sin down. I lay my sin down. Take it, I pray. Take it, I pray. I don't want it anymore. I don't want it anymore. I reach to heaven. I reach to heaven. To receive your forgiveness. To receive your forgiveness. And take the place of my sin. Take the place of my sin. I ask. I ask. That you would, that you would accept me. That you accept me. Into your wonderful family. Into your wonderful family. Today. Today. I give my life. I give my life. Completely to you. Completely to you. I'm yours, Lord. I'm yours, Lord. Help me. Help me to live a life. To live a life with the fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Man, if you said that and believe that you are a brand new creation, I'm so proud of you. And we celebrate salvation in Cool Church. So if you're here or you're online right now, I can't open up the ceiling and show you, but like angels are doing the electric slide on streets of gold right now, I promise you. The choir is out singing. Because the Bible says that when one comes back to the Father, there's a celebration in heaven. So what we're going to do for about the next five seconds, we're going to shout and cheer louder than some folks ever heard in their life. And when you hear it, if you, if you raise your hand, or maybe you didn't, but you believed it in your heart, these claps and cheers are for you because I want, I want you to hear what heaven sounds like right now. All right? So y'all help me online. You can hit the hearts and all that stuff. But if you're in this room, on the count of three, man, y'all turn up too. Here we go. One, two, three. Let's go. for listening. To hear more messages like this one, please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. And if you like what you've heard, please consider sharing it with your friends because it helps so much. Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. And always remember that you were created out of love.